Hello, so welcome everyone to the second episode of our very special World Cup uh, podcast of ideas. My name's Adam Rawcliffe, uh, I'm joined again by Jeff Kidder, and a very special guest this time, Associate Fellow of the Academy of Ideas, David Bowden. Uh, so the World Cup's well and truly underway, uh, with the first round of games being completed. Uh, interestingly, the first first round since 2002 without a 0-0 draw. England uh, scraped a 2-1 win versus Tunisia. Uh, and many of the big nations have dropped points, including Germany losing to Mexico, Argentina being held by Iceland, Brazil uh, being held by Switzerland, and Spain and Portugal uh, drawing an electrifying game which really kicked the tournament off. Uh, so first things first, guys, what are you making of the tournament so far? I think it's great and I don't want it to ever end, which is how a World Cup should feel like. Um, you know, I think that you're know, already in this World Cup, you've already had one bona fide classic game, which is Spain-Portugal, yeah. which was really, um, I was watching that, you know, in the, you know, sort of in the pub and it was on in the background, it literally was one of those games that you couldn't uh, tear yourself away from. And obviously there was that real sense of, you know, one of the top players in the world, you're really playing like that, Ronaldo, you could yeah. sort of see that sheer force of personality you know, I think that you know, I think in the last World Cup you saw lots of very close games you know sort of it was lots of unexpected results it was kind of mm. fascinating it was compelling um, but there was a lot more still I think of that sense of teams being difficult to break down um, and you know therefore kind of creating uncertainty whereas you know what you've seen in this one you know you've seen Mexico kind of really come out and take the game to Germany um, and you know sort of surprise them by actually playing them off the the park you've seen you know, some really good attacking performances so far so I think it's actually really enjoyable to watch even in pure footballing terms yeah I think as ever there's been quite a few close games in the opening round which there tends to be uh, anyway just because you can with your first game if you're a team like Iceland or Switzerland you can really sort of park the bus hold on for a draw but then when it comes to the second and third game you have to start thinking about winning a game if you want to get through. Uh, so I think that's kind of just to be expected. But I think also, uh, sort of conversely to that, a lot of the top teams aren't as good as they have been in the past. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the middling teams are actually a bit better. So it seems like Iceland and Switzerland are actually no slouches. They're actually mm-hmm. pretty decent teams with decent footballers. Uh, so yeah, so I, I think it's quite open. I, I can't really put my money on anyone to win it at the moment, which I think is a good thing. Jeff? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's very good, as David said. The nil-nil thing's quite interesting, as often at the beginning. It's a tournament. You have to play seven games, maybe even win seven games to win the World Cup. And so it's a, you know, it's a long run. It's, it's a marathon rather than a sprint. And so I think these are the first games. It's something that England's traditionally been very bad at, pacing themselves over a tournament. But it is the first round. But the first round is often quite boring. There are uh, dull games, teams not really into it. And whilst it's true, many of the top teams, as has been said, have possibly underperformed, uh, drawn. Uh, Very few, you'd say, played very badly. Germany looked a bit out of sorts when I watched them against Mexico. But then Mexico were very good. And there's certainly more teams which in the past, uh, uh, there were more poorer teams in the past. This time, there are very, there's only Nigeria and Saudi Arabia who I've seen who look really poor. 
most teams are of a standard. The fact that Iceland can compete with Argentina and complete reasonably comfortably shows uh, that there is a levelling up uh, and, and a generally quite a good standard of football. And there is a lot of pressure, particularly on the favourites. And I don't, that probably doesn't help them at the beginning. But that's something for the weeks ahead uh, uh, as, uh, as it develops. Do you, you, do you think any of these big teams should actually be genuinely worried though after the first game? I obviously lose in your first game isn't great, but Spain lost their first game in 2010 when they won the World Cup. Uh, do you think any of these... I think Argentina probably have the toughest group out of these teams, Croatia, Iceland, Nigeria. Uh, I, as an Argentina fan, am very worried. Big game against Croatia tomorrow. Uh, but do you think Germany should be worried for Sweden and South Korea in that group? I think the standard of international football today, and yes, this is one of the reasons why football has always been... Such incredible sports, you never know. Mm. You know, we have seen great teams crash out of World Cups and not perform. You know, you would say that you know hardly any of them seem to be in crisis, really. Um, you know, perhaps you know, still yet to see the proper effect on Spain of the you know, managerial change, and that was such a kind of unusual game to to watch. Um, you know, you'll have to see what happens. Um, obviously, it kind of it's expanded format, so there were probably a few more softer games than they used to be yeah. um, but you know it's that kind of unpredictability and kind of thrill of it and you know as a, you know, as a fan although sometimes all of the football at this stage isn't necessarily at the best there is that element of this is one of the most exciting times of the World Cup because you've had all of this kind of build up and a lot of this kind of, sort of blather and kind of concerns about um, you know sort of uh, you know what will happen in the host country and actually suddenly you're just at this moment where you're Games are, football is on all the time. You're able to start having conversations with people about what's happening. People are getting drawn into it. Um, I, you know, it is, if you're uh, stuck in a less interesting office than the Academy of Ideas, <laughs> it's you know, it's a generally nice thing to have that kind of brings this sort of social element to your day to day life. So you know, for me, I just can't can't get enough of it. Yeah, I was really surprised actually before, uh, the day of the England game. Uh, I'd actually I've kind of forgotten how big a deal it is mm. when England play in the World Cup. And you see, even in the centre of London, uh, like England uh, flags, like group, massive groups of men outside pubs and walk into the pubs, and women as well. Uh, I kind of like that, even though I'm not uh, the biggest England supporter in the world. I like the fact that the whole country comes together mm. to watch football. Uh, Jeff, any... Uh, What's your thought on the big well, team? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, I say after the match on Monday, the England match, a number of reporters and commentators said, well, as we all know, that was the key game, but we didn't really want to say so before, after England had won. Mm. And I don't really go with that. I mean, it's a tournament. Yes, to win is very important. You have three points. It takes a lot of pressure off. But historically, you haven't got to win the first game to go through. Italy, who obviously haven't qualified this time, but they were infamous for drawing games in a qualifying round, maybe sneaking a win in one of them and getting through to the later stages. So it really isn't. To me, it's not that significant. What has been the case is that a lot of the big teams, uh, and England did this as well, missed lots of chances. A lot of teams, the main teams, Brazil... Uh, possibly to a degree, Argentina, certainly England, and England obviously won, comes to the, won just about in the end. But a lot of teams have made lots of chances and missed them or snatched at them or whatever for whatever reason. So that was certainly striking. The other thing on what you said about the fans is that it's not like, apart from the, the notorious uh, estate in South London, which is all done up with the, with the, with the 
St George's flag and a Colombian flag, which has been widely reported, there's not actually so many St George's flags that I've noticed mm. all over the place, but there is still very much that spirit of everybody being behind the team and even watching the World Cup, even looking at the office behind us where we are in London, with flags of all the different countries on it. So there's different ways that people are marking on it, but it, ha it has a very good cohesive uh, sort of effect of bringing people together. Uh, and I think that's a very positive thing, however people choose to do that. Yeah. Uh, so as every World Cup, in every World Cup, there's surprise packages, be that players uh, who stand out or teams who stand out. Any big surprises for you guys so far? I'll kick off, obviously, I think Russia, the host nation, a lot of people, which a lot of people build as the worst ever host nation in terms of the team uh, to host the World Cup. It's kicked off by scoring eight goals in the first two games, conceding one. Uh, six points probably heading through and actually playing some quite nice, dynamic, attractive football, which I don't think many people uh, expected. And also quite nice being that it's Russia that the team has stolen the headlines and not. Uh, the host country and what uh, certain members of the Western media think of that. Uh, Dave, yeah, I, it's it's almost it feels strange to say, but actually, and you know, it's kind of beholden to fortune. But there is a degree of of England, which is my main mm. hope of from this tournament. Even watching them in the game against you know Tunisia, of that you know you've gone so accustomed to you know the kind of sort of stodgy kind of football of you know England just showing up at these tournaments, not having any idea of. Um, you know, what their team is, what their sort of plan is, the sort of real hope that kind of, you know, sort of passion and heart will kind of win out. They'll, everything will suddenly click into place. And actually, I think what's good about this England team is if you try and take away the cynicism uh, people always have about England, um, you know, on the sort of world stage and kind of, uh, you know, sort of more global circles, um, you know, is that this is a kind of young, dynamic team who are very different from what's come before. They've actually got a manager who wants to try and get them to play to their strengths and try to get them to play uh, you know, in sort of quite a coherent fashion. Um, and you're know, watching the game against Tunisia, yes, it wasn't you know, always very attractive. They're very you know, inexperienced. They're kind of, they, you haven't quite got some of the kind of killer instincts and class of other teams. But you, there also wasn't a sort of sense that they weren't, you know, they were playing as a team. They were actually trying to build and develop and follow a strategy. They should have scored a lot of goals in the first a few minutes and actually in the end yes they kind of got a you know last minute winner and you know everyone feels positive again but that it didn't feel like it as that often does where they'd just been hoofing it up in hope for you know the 20 minutes beforehand and eventually something happened actually they kind of felt like they kept playing to the end and it eventually came off for them which I thought was a real great show of character and I hope hope against hope actually that they can just carry on that sort of sense of positivity uh, throughout the rest of the tournament. So might as well go on to England. I agree with a lot of what Dave said. Uh, dynamic, played quite dynamic, particularly at the start. But looked up for it, which I think is uh, actually quite telling and quite good, the fact that they straight from box so went up and out there. Few concerns I have. Uh, Deli Alley looked like half a player when Loftus-Cheek came on at the end. Actually, uh, put a lightning bolt in the team. Uh, Raheem Sterling, I don't think was great. I think, uh, reminiscent of Sean Wright Phillips in worse England days. Uh, but big concern, and actually, surprised. I was very surprised that Southgate went with Ashley Young at left back uh, in a formation which requires the fullbacks to get you get width. 
uh, Ashley Yonke doesn't really have a left foot. Uh, I think it's a concern. I think the real test for England will be the Belgium game. But like uh, Dave, like you said, uh, the fact that they could get to the end and could get that second goal and get the win against Tunisia team who uh, played valiantly and uh, played a rather cynical game of football. Uh, I think it's telling, and it's England's first opening win at a World Cup for quite some time, so different in that regard. Yeah, in terms of uh, what I'd, I mean, I agree with Dave. I'd be positive about England. I'd, I'd wait and see. I don't know about the Belgium game because mm. I don't know how much we're resting on it, yeah. but it might be very important. But I mean, Panama, Belgium were good against Panama. Panama, maybe are a bit like uh, Tunisia. I mean, Panama will need to be broken down. People are treating them as if they're almost like a Parks team, <laughs> where they're more than that, and they need to be. And England will need to do a similar job that they did the other day and we'll and we'll see that i agree with the general uh, uh, idea also about russia that i mean they've gone in a week from being the worst ever host politically and all the rest mm. of it uh, uh, how could we host the, the event in this terrible place with this terrible football team all of a sudden they've got a world beating football team <laughs> and the friendliest people that have ever staged an international sports tournament which is obviously which is not probably an exaggeration the other way <laughs> But it's good that people are seeing positive things and that most of the fans, or nearly all the fans who've been over in, in, in Russia and there have been very few uh, negative incidents, you know, had a very good experience in saying how friendly and the camaraderie around the event, which is positive. I would just flag up that if England get through the group, they're going to have to play somebody from uh, the group with Senegal in. Yeah. And they're, they're a tricky, you know, everybody's saying Poland were bad, which is why Senegal won. And Poland made some... Ha- horrendous errors but Senegal are a tricky tricky team some very useful players and skillful uh, 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 talent and their winning goal which people were saying should it have been allowed or whatever to me showed great initiative um, and so I, th- I you know, maybe they'll be uh, uh, one of the underrated teams that come through but we'll see yeah I thought Senegal were harshly treated in that game didn't really get the credit for actually a pretty good performance uh uh, breaking against Poland uh, quite well. Uh, uh, actually, weirdly saw something uh, online just before coming in here, which uh, was arguing that it might be better for England to finish second in the group, uh, just because, as we know, the World Cup's unpredictable, and that in before tournament favourites might not win their groups, which messes up the whole order of uh, making the winning the group essential. Uh, one of the big stories throughout the week, and perhaps particularly pertinent during the England game, was uh, the use of video-assisted uh, refereeing, uh, VAR, uh, which England fans claimed uh, should have been employed to penalise Tunisia for, let's admit it, basically wrestling Harry Kane to the ground uh, during corner kicks, uh, and they should have been awarded a penalty. Uh just across the group stage games, uh, there's been more penalties awarded uh, in the group stages in the first round uh, than any other World Cup uh, so far. Uh, what do you guys make of VAR? Do you think the system's good? Because uh, I think this is a difficult discussion because I think most people would admit that most of the refereeing has been quite good. And even the v- most of VAR decisions which have been appealed have been right. That doesn't mean that everyone is still pro-VAR. So, what do you guys think? Well, yeah, I think the key thing about it is it's a, it's a very new system and, you know, it has been tried to be introduced in quite a sort of soft-touch soft way. Mm. Um, 
And I think understandably that kind of, I think what people don't really think about is actually that does create confusions for referees, you know, who are used to having to make these kind of split decisions on the spot and then you're almost a kind of, you know, publish and be damned kind of element of that they kind of have to make these judgments, you know, day in, day out when they're training and then suddenly have this new technology here. And you can sort of see that it's been inconsistently mm. applied. Mm. Um, but, you know, they've tried to sort of favour situations where they let the game flow. Um, and we can see that, you know, it do- although, you know, I think some of the stuff around goal line technology is, you know, is a good thing. It's actually sort of nice to have that element of the ball bounces. And that's happened a few times where you kind of know it's over the line or isn't because that's always just been a, a bit of a frustrating discussion that has a yeah. weird mythology in British culture because of the 66 World Cup but it's just annoying but in other situations you can see that you know what's really fascinating is it doesn't solve a lot of the arguments um, you know the people actually having seen stuff on VAR still don't know whether things should be a penalty or not um, so it hasn't taken away a lot of the sort of drama and sort of theatre that comes with um, uh, bad decisions which was always a kind of fear around VAR that actually a part of the, the game was seeing people get away with it um, but also, you know, they have to be cautious about not over-encouraging its use because actually, as much as I want England to get a penalty against Tunisia um, for that situation, I don't want, you know, the, every time a ball is kicked into the area, for every corner, every free kick for them to have to stop the game so they can do a VAR to make sure that, you know, nobody has been impeded and nobody has been held back. So in a way, it's kind of good, I think, for the spirit of the game to have some of these bad decisions that you just have to get on with and you know, I thought that was the kind of thing that I liked about this England team of you know actually in previous tournaments it, it has been the focus on the tactics and whether they should save themselves for the next game and how they would get into the draw and they would actually have no real plan for how they would beat these teams it was always kind of hope whereas what you sense with the kind of England team was they clearly had drilled into them and that sort of strong sense of they're trying to play a very strong kind of PR game if they didn't want to be seen to be whining or relying on these things or get, let themselves get wound up. They just wanted to try and go out, play football, stick to the system, find a way of winning the game. And I think that's you know, the, the more, you know that's the most exciting thing that I can recall seeing in, you know, certainly I think in the last 12 years of watching England, maybe mm. going back to maybe 2004, for the first hour against France. Um, I haven't really seen that in any sustained way. Yeah, I'm broadly in favour of VAR uh, for a number of reasons. I uh, I think it's just about time and they were never going to uh, get away with not using it when basically every other sport uses some sort of video system ref- referee. Uh, I think there's a much bigger improvement, uh, well, a big improvement on some of the ways it was used in a domestic football last year, which I think is a good sign that it is improving, but Technology is completely new. Like, say, referees have to adjust to using this to help them rather than hinder them. Uh, so I think that is a good a good step in the right direction. Uh, and I think something which is just important to remember is that it's, we're not aiming for to completely eradicate, 100% eradicate mistakes. Well, maybe we are aiming, but it's never going to happen. In no sport does video-assisted referee completely, uh, uh, completely eradicate all refereeing mistakes doesn't happen there's always debate around decisions because a lot of the rules are open to interpretation within specific scenarios uh, so I am I thought it was going to be a disaster I really thought they were going to find some way to fudge it and mess it up and uh, have to completely reassess uh, but I have been quietly impressed I think a lot of that will go down to the fact that there's specific referees who have 
been uh, working at the World Cup have actually done a really good job so far. I don't think there's been any howlers. So uh, I would put my uh, hats off to FIFA for that. But I know Jeff's a bit more of a sceptic. So Jeff, what's your take? Well, I agree with much of what David said. But I mean, I think overall the officials have been good generally at the World Cup. I mean, the VAR has given a number of Italians a stake in the tournament, which they haven't had in, in on a, on a football level and I agree with using the goal line technology and that's important when you know in previous World Cups the win France's winning goal the other day the Colombian goal yesterday might not have been given certainly looking at it with the naked eye I couldn't have told it had gone either of those had gone over the line and that was clearly shown and is a clear is it over is it not on everything else yes you can argue that a lot of the decisions are right but then on the other hand, you look at the uh, the penalty area issues you mentioned, like with the England match. I mean, Nigeria conceded a penalty through grabbing one of the Croatian players, but then it hasn't happened in the other matches. And so you have a slightly arbitrary... It, it recreates all the imperfections you have in refereeing at a higher level, combined with the fact that often it looks like the referee goes off the pitch to place an order at Argos in the middle of the programme on the screen and all the rest of it and, and d- disrupts the flow of the match. And it's true it wasn't as disruptive as it was when it happened in the FA Cup earlier in the year and we had some ridiculous scenarios. But for me, I'm not convinced, both in terms of what it does to the match and in terms of getting all the decisions right, because a lot of it is opinion. Not all of it, but a lot of it is opinion. But certainly on the goal line, yes, that's good. But let's see what let's see what happens. I remember a few World Cups ago, they brought in rules to tighten up uh, tackles, tackles from behind, more physical. And people said this will be the end of it as a contact sport. And in fact, at the end of the day, it hasn't ruined football. And you could argue that football is actually more creative than it was in the past. And a lot of people said that wouldn't happen. So maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not convinced with it at this stage beyond the goal line technology. So not on VAR, but to go back to a kind of couple of points that you know had before, I think what's hopefully going to be good about it, and hopefully the VAR doesn't end up sucking this away, is that it reminds you how much of a good challenge the World Cup is to a sense of you know a good World Cup when it's held to a sort of sense of cynicism around. I think that you know is that you actually you can just get swept up in the kind of enjoyment and sort of sheer pleasure that kind of comes with um, you know sort of seeing lots of you know different nations and. Fans kind of coming together, and you know there were great stories wherever you look. There are you know the stories of the you know uh, women going to watch the the Iran matches who can actually do that because they're not allowed to go to the stadiums in Iran and they can show up in Russia, this inhospitable country, um, and you actually have a sort of sense of freedom and kind of mingling. And those stories are everywhere that you look, and um, you know there has been a kind of diminished sense of the kind of uh, national following around England. But I actually really hope that you know, they actually just go out and play well. And actually, I'm, I'm less concerned about whether they go out and lose to Senegal as long as they're playing, mm. you know, kind of well and actually trying to offer something a bit different. You know, it's a kind of likeable English team, decent mix of, you know, uh, you know sort of openness. They're kind of tactically naive, um, perhaps. Um, you know, they kind of lack some of that kind mm. of discipline of um, well-oiled machinery of uh, more established teams. Um, but they kind of want to go out and play that. And obviously, traditionally, you would say, you know, about a lot of um, teams that would go out and play dynamic, uh, sort of attacking football, mid-sized nations, the African teams, South American teams, of you know, they've, they've got all of this sort of style and, you know, and they kind of light up the World Cup 
Um, and you know, when they get knocked out, everyone goes, oh, well, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to have had these kind of couple of weeks because it takes the mind off the, the challenges they have at home. <laughs> and actually, it's quite good for England to be in a tournament with a mentality of let's go and try and light up the World Cup a little bit and take our minds off all of the problems at home and actually you know, enjoy ourselves and you know, actually you know, give something for the nation to, to cheer about. And I think that's probably what most people's mentality is. Yeah, I think, well, I generally agree with that. I think it's been very good so far. Hopefully the next week uh, and the rest of the group stages will be as exciting as it is now. And there are many stories, as you've said, of people both in Russia and all over the world coming together. I mean, I saw a thing on on, uh, social media of Senegal fans in Sao Paulo celebrating one of the few groups in South America who have been celebrating so far during the World Cup and the Tunisians, uh, I believe it was, watching the England match in its 2,000-year-old amphitheatre, which was quite an impressive sight as well. So there's masses of images and masses of sights and signs of the world coming together over a real quality sporting product, which is what it is and hopefully will continue to be. Yeah, interesting, well, funny juxtaposition, uh, which happened around the fans, around the Senegal-Columbia uh, game. Uh, there was this really like heartening image of Senegal fans cleaning up their section before they left the stadium. Uh, same, same thing with the Japan fans happened. But then also I saw images today of Senegal fans fighting Colombia fans outside the stadium. So... Fans come in all different shapes and sizes and a broad spectrum. Uh, hopefully it'll op- continue to open up, continue to get more goals scored as uh, teams' uh, fate uh, is put at risk. Uh, England next play at 1pm uh, on Sunday against Panama. So tune into that. Thank you guys uh, and we'll be back next week with more football talk. Mm-hmm.